welcome to the Counter Press Podcast. I am your host, Kirk Kinsey, and with me tonight, as always, I have Josh Cacho. Josh, how you doing, man? Pretty good. I mean, obviously, a lot has happened since the last time that we uh, recorded. So, um, yeah, like, un- unfortunately, slash fortunately for us, we did have some audio issues that seemingly have persisted, but that was on Sunday night, and since then, quite a bit has happened. And so, yeah, I think we should just jump right into it. Absolutely. Let's go ahead and get started with what I think is the biggest news, and that would be Walker Zimmerman's trade to Nashville SC. LAFC traded him away for $950,000 in GAM and an international roster spot, which, correct me if I'm wrong, Josh, but I believe that is a a record transfer or record trade within MLS. I believe so. And obviously, you know, because it's a single entity and all these weird things, you know, it's not... It wouldn't be the same as like the Miguel Almiron fee or when you're selling him selling a player abroad. But definitely I think within a player moving to another team and the amount paid for it, it's definitely up there. Yeah, and uh I feel like it kind of came out of nowhere. Everybody's anticipating his return from uh Greg Berhalter's camp with the US men's national team. And I mean he was only in LA for I think a few days before it was over um and now uh leaves us with a few questions going into the CONCACAF Champions League against uh the the you know the first leg against against Leon um Josh do you have any other thoughts on you know what might have caused this or what might have been the initial catalyst or why LAFC is looking to well was looking to move him and then eventually did well you know I think like most deals right and and the league being the position that it is, if an offer comes for any player, regardless of who it is, I, I definitely think that it always has to be considered. And I believe that um, John Thornton kind of mentioned that, you know, if it's just that the right deal comes along, you know, you got to think long and hard about what it means for the team. But ultimately, you know, those are the tough decisions that they're paid to make, right? As it pertains to, okay, how is it going to affect the team? And I think, to a certain degree, the emergence of Tristan Blackman um, probably had a lot to do with it. Um, I think Vince LaRose, uh, Vince in his article, his last article that they wrote after, I believe, yesterday, um, kind of talking about the trade and everything like that, kind of mentioned that it was, you know, they're kind of banking on that youth movement and the, and the development that they've seen from, you know, some of these players that they've brought in. And so, uh, should again i think the the team is setting itself up to kind of fall in line with that you know the idea that it's going to be somewhat of a selling league and you're going to have to develop players and hope that you sell on and then develop the next guy up you know the next man steps up and so like i said i think the way that blackman has been playing you know if you know i know you you were you weren't able to attend the uh penural game um out, and you were watching it for, on the Twitter feed from Penuel, I think it was, or Instagram. Yeah, their Instagram. Yeah, yeah. And so you know, obviously, you can only glean so much from from that view from the press box. But at the same time, I think to anyone who saw it live and saw the way that he had played, he just was putting out fires left and right. And it's been a continuation of some of the work he's done last year, and he just has continued to look better and better. And so. My my thought is that an offer probably came in that they couldn't refuse, and knowing that you do have Blackman there and the way that he's played, and 
you know, and obviously I think Bob's the type of coach that, that definitely trusts the next guy as much as us as fans may, may or may not. Um, you know, I think he has, he's, he's the type of coach that puts that faith in the, in the next player to be able to step up and do that, do their job. And so, um, yeah, I definitely think that's probably what led to it. I think an offer came, came for Walker that they couldn't pass up and given, given the roster and some of them and what they likely can do with the amount of money that they got back, uh, was probably just too hard to pass up. Yeah. And I think, you know, with the new CBA being released, um, and the, the heavier emphasis on, on teams using GAM, meaning that they essentially are going to be more, you know, have more freedom over their own finances that they won't have to use as many, I should say, convoluted types of money, uh, or, or salary spend. Um, I, I think this opens the door to them in the future. I mean, I don't think they're going to go out and do it now, but it opens the door for them really to go to go sign two Walker Zimmerman level players. Where he was, you know, this Tam player. I think he was, a, you know, on four to five hundred thousand dollars a year. Um, and I, I think it, I think it opens up a lot of money uh, for them to go sign on some new players and potentially fill two holes instead of just having the one player there. So, um, I think it is a prudent move. I think it does raise some flags for depth going into CCL. Um, but as you stated, Tristan Blackman, by all accounts, seems to be more than ready. Um, he got the nod against the, you know, in, in El Trafico in the playoffs and played great against Latan. So I think, I think the team obviously has a lot of, a lot of faith in him. Interestingly enough, I think the biggest, question mark now is the depth at right back because if Blackman is coming inside at center back for good um I'm not really sure sure who else is there I suppose Latif Blessing will start to fill in more um but it'll be interesting to see what the club does yeah and I think I have to think about I look to see who ended up starting today um or what they lined up with in in the Toronto preseason game because I want to say that they started Harvey and Yakovich and Blackman at right back. So again, mm-hmm. it it still does remain to seem how they're going to kind of figure it all out once they line it up next week. You know, again what what Eddie Segura's fitness looks like and and at Tuesta, I don't think I don't think those two guys are back quite yet. I want to say. Um <clears throat> but I know uh that um, Janela started today, today and they said he looked pretty good. Um, like, you know, just kind of seem kind of almost the seamlessly fit into what they were trying to do. Uh, but yeah, I think at the end of the day, it, it makes some sense given Ian that you're going to have to try and compete on three fronts. So if you can get two players to kind of fill in those roles, then it does make sense. But again, you're right at right back. I'm, I'm not sure what they do at least for the next two weeks, right? Which is, I think the biggest concern is you're going into playing a hotly owned team that I, you know, at when we had initially looked at it you know, at the beginning of the season, there were, they had some questions. It was, could they score without JJ Macias and different things like that? And they're currently ripping apart Liga MX. So it becomes one of those situations where, okay, do you want to play a more uh, 
um, advance right back, you know, like a Latif blessing there against a team that's very attacking, or are you going to look to maybe play a little bit more defensive um, from your fullbacks or maybe play that, you know, that three at the back hybrid type of thing where if you played, for example, your back line being um, Palacios on the left, kind of like what you saw today, Segura, Harvey, or Andor Yakovic, and then Blackman on the right. In possession, I'm assuming that Palacios pushes up. Maybe you have um, Blackman tuck in next to the two center backs, and then in possession, you're still in your 3-4-3 type of approach, you know, like I said, with Palacios pushing up, and then Blackman sitting, and then you're going to have the three bigger. Um, Then you still have, like I said, a bigger center back back there as need be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's... Uh, man, I, given the versatility of the players on LFC, on LAFC, there's certainly a lot of different ways that Bob could take this. Um, but it is a little bit confusing to try and piece together from afar or, you know, when you're not behind the curtain yourself. So we'll honestly just have to wait and see. Um, there were some talks of them signing a right back, but I think those have been put to bed. There was, there was talk of them bringing on Andy Nahar, but uh, I think it was Jeff Carlisle that reported that uh, he was just in training, you know, to get fit. Um, do you have anything else on, on that rumor? Yeah. Josh? I mean, he, he's coming off of two big injuries. Um, well, not two right now, but he, I know he had torn. He initially had since, since leaving in 2012 from DC United, um, he's gotten hurt a couple times, pretty big injuries. So, I know he tore his ACL um, in 2016, and I'm not sure if it was the same one, but I believe he did tear um, an ACL again just recently uh, this past year. And so he, I believe he's about a year, almost a year out. So he's working his way back to fitness, but he's still not at a point where he's played any 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 minutes for Anderlecht this past season um, or this current season. And so... He stylistically, um, he fits what LAFC wants to do, so it does make sense to a certain degree. But at the same time, like I said, I think there there was reports that John Thornton had poured poured a little bit of water on that one, saying that you know that he was with the team mainly just to train and to get healthy. And what I you know obviously you don't want to speculate too much, but you wonder you know given that type of injury history, you know could he be in LA to maybe meet with you know, doctors, or is it just a consultation? You know, again, it, there's a bunch of different reasons why they would let him come out here to, to, um, to train and to, again, to get, to get back into fitness. Um, you know, again, we're not really sure or, nor do we have really any information as to point as to what that would be. So at that point, you know, like I said, it doesn't really make sense to speculate too much, but, um, yeah, I mean, like I said, there are, there are some things about him that would make sense and, um, from a style perspective, but again, available, you know, what is this, what is that saying? It's like your best skill is your availability sometimes. And, um, that's something he hasn't been able to do. And given what the team has dealt with in terms of depth, simply because of injuries in this past, this past season, you wonder if that's a risk that's worth taking at this point, or if there's someone that they can find to kind of fill that same role somewhere else. Right. I mean, I think as far as I'll go on the speculation is there was a certain veteran 
on the team just last year who is still who is as far as I know still available in Stephen Betashore. Um, and I understand you might not want to pay him a huge contract. I don't think I'd be an advocate for that. But given that you were just um, that you just made this big opportunistic move to move uh, Walker Zimmerman away, maybe that's somebody that you can bring in to help shore up your depth at least at right back, even if it's a Latif Blessing or Tristan Blackman playing as you know a, a right back or uh, or a center back, you know half the time in some sort of three, four, three, um, it might be wise to go ahead and go out and make that signing for, you know, I, I, I don't think he signed with anybody. It doesn't seem like anybody has him in his plans at the moment. Um, yeah, another I guy mean, that I'm ahead. not mad about that. If that's the case, you know, like yeah. I said, I think it, he fits in seamlessly. You're not really, you know, you're not really worried about what he's, you know how it's going to fit in and those different things because he's he's, not, he's been playing within the system. So, you know, like I said, if you know, kind of hoping that would be the if you're looking for at least a short term solution, that's definitely an option there. You know, again, I think a right. lot rides on probably some of the moves that happen up farther up the chain as well. Yeah. Uh, speaking of other moves, um, this <laughs> it's hard to believe, but Bradley Wright Phillips has seemed to. Uh, <laughs> have been buried by this news about Walker Zimmerman, but he was on trial with the team and then left the team without a contract in hand. And then deal went down and he was almost immediately announced. It's hard to imagine that those two occurrences weren't connected somehow, but now Bradley Wright Phillips is a member of LAFC and Josh, what do you think of his role moving forward and and where he's going to fit in? Um, I th- here's the thing, given the investment that we've that the team has made in you know in the DPs Vela, Rossi, and Rodriguez, I would have to think that at least for the time being that they're going to try and make sure that they get all three of those guys on the field for as much as possible, right? If mm-hmm. if at if at minimum it's to make sure that you're maintaining, if not upping their value, to be able to sell one of the two wingers, you know in the next year or so, right? Or within this, maybe even this season. Right. Now, what what that meant for Dio prior to the injury and what it means for Bradley Wright Phillips now um, probably means that they were, they were going to f- play either in, as a super sub or as a 60-minute striker, right? I, you, there's going to be, obviously, there's going to be rotation given the amount of games, and there's definitely going to be games for him to play, but I don't think they're bringing him in to be a starter. You know, I think Dio probably fit that role there where there was going to be some when there was rotation. But at the same time, I think with the emergence even of uh, Adrian Perez, which I, th- I think is probably to a certain degree is what probably had kept him off the roster to be in, you know, to begin with, um, mm-hmm. you know, at least after that initial trial, I think Adrian, like from all accounts, Adrian Perez had just been tearing it up during, you know, during the preseason and looked like a guy that was going to, you know, be a, you know, be a factor as it pertains to the depth of the team. Um, at minimum, if he returns to any some anything close to his form of the last couple of years, and a guy that can play, come in and play thirty minutes a game and just make an impact when you really need, when you're chasing a goal or you're, or you know, or you're just trying to finish one out, he's the type of veteran presence that I think 
the team has lacked a little bit at times in those types of games, right? They just kind of lock everyone in. You know, he's, again, uh, what, I think his highest goal touring scoring tally is like 27 at one 27, point. I mean, the guy, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, he knows how to put the ball in the back of the net, you know, and again, he's a little bit, he's not a target striker. He's probably closer towards your Joseph Martinez type of uh, number nine where he just finds those spaces and finish it off. Like, again, that's what the league is, has quite a bit of those types of number nines right now where, you know, whether it's Joseph or BWP or Raul uh, Rui Diaz from Seattle, those guys that just know how to find space and finish. Um, that is the way that he's played for, you know, his time here in MLS. And again, it's it's exciting to have, a, again, like a league legend really step into things and, you know, and hopefully make an impact on the team moving forward. Again, I, I definitely think there's going to be more than enough opportunity for him. Yeah, I, I certainly agree with your assessment of where he's going to fit. Most likely a super sub, uh, very occasional starter. Um, where he's probably going to come in and give you 60s. I mean, he's he spent a lot of last year injured. I think he only scored two goals last year, right? Um, so it's uh, it, it's tough because he's going to come back from injury, and I think he's 34 now. Um, so a little bit long in the tooth, but again, very exciting because of what he's done in the league and what you assume he's still got left in the tank, especially if he's asked just to give you 30 minutes a night um, and come out and just continue to challenge back lines and give a different look. Um, I do want to change gear gears here just a little bit. I think, do, do you think this move makes Dio any more expendable given his injury history, given uh, what is now seemingly just constant un- unavailability and like you said, with three DPs already on the on the front line there, where does Dio fit into this even after he comes back from this uh, this fracture in his foot? I mean, he unfortunately, like again, outside of the time when outside of the times he's been hurt, he's been excellent for the team, and you know, and it looked like he was going to continue along that form, you know, since he's gotten since he came back, you know, at the back end of the season last year, right, like. You know, the goals he scored against Carson were, you know, again, they're ones that you're never going to forget, right? Mm-hmm. And, but I think there is some pause for concern, especially, you know, with with the way that he plays, you know, with, again, being being one that, you know, utilizes his power to be able to just move, shift the field and move the field, you know, in the way that he does, Um you know, the, the, again, that that's the second goal where he just tears through the midfield and kind of scores it mm-hmm. all on his own. It's the perfect example. You know, a guy that plays like that, right? Foot injuries sometimes scare me a little bit, right? I mean, again, it's not like he's a giant lineman or a basketball player, some of these different things where you're putting a ton, you know, an excessive amount of force through the feet. But again, it, it, again, it, I, I definitely think there still is some cause of concern given the amount that he's been out over the last, you know, over the last year or two. Um, and so, yeah, I, it's not like, again, Bradley Wright Phillips has done, has been much better to this past year, right? I think he had what, like 25 appearances or some of that over overall mm-hmm. competitions. So you're not asking too much, but I think Dio probably would have played a larger role had he stayed healthy. 
Um, and yeah, I mean, age has a lot to do with that. But at the same time, I think at this point, you, I think you do have to wonder a little bit about what, what now the long term looks like. Again, if, if the injuries continue to pile up, you know, again, right. you, you, I trust in the in the training. You know, so far from what I've seen, especially coming from you know like a my physical therapy background, right? The way that the team handles injuries and all these things has been nothing but spectacular. Um, you know, guys aren't pushed back, you know, too soon. They, they genuinely have taken care of guys. They take it from a very scientific approach. And so, you know, I don't, and with, you know, obviously with fractures, you generally expect the bone to heal back stronger than it was previously. That's, you know, like, you know, Muay Thai fighters in Thailand, how their micro fractures heal and the bone actually becomes harder and becomes even more of a mm-hmm. weapon. Um, you know, that, that is typical of bone healing. And so, you know, is it, is this the worst thing that could have happened? Absolutely not. Right. Like if it were more of a, um, soft tissue cartilage, those kind of things, then that's probably when you become more concerned about the hit, the, the, the long-term injury history. But again, it, it, it's, but he's got he, those in his past as well. Yeah. You know, but he, I don't think in like bigger knee stuff or anything like that, which is good. I think it's been like hamstring more than anything, like right, muscle type right. of stuff, which again can be nagging as well and can be recurrent. But again, it's he seems to have just been more unlucky than anything, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and again, you can't, <laughs> and, and the types of injuries that sometimes that he, he seems to have sustained are ones that I'm, there's only so much you can do about it. And again, you, that's why, again, I I want to pause before we say, oh, we need to find another placement. Again, I've been probably one of his bigger defenders. Even, you know, all the strikers at LFC have been, they had to, I feel like I've been defending them on a, on a regular basis over the past year with everyone calling for a quote-unquote true number nine to be up there or whatever, or that we need to go get this this big-time nine. Mm-hmm. You know, again, it drives me nuts given given the records that they set this past year. But, you know, again, it's it's something to think about, something to have in the back of the mind, in the back of your mind as they move the team forward. And obviously, you know, they, they haven't been shy about moving on at times. But again, I think they're going to give Dio every chance to make sure that he's able to come back and make an impact on the team before they make any decisions. Yeah, and I think Dio, a healthy Dio at least, more than BWP gives you the flexibility to really start um, a, a number nine rather than your three wingers up top with Vela playing a false nine or uh, what we always speculated was that Rossi was going to come in and be a, a bit of a target striker that's going to stretch the back line, but we never saw that. So um, I, I do think that when healthy, he's probably able, you know, he has it left in his legs to chase a game for at least 60, 65 minutes. Um, and like as you said, also, when he's in the game, he's going to take over and he's going to score goals. Um, and we, we saw that anytime he was subbed on in the last season, he was always making an impact, um, you know, with the goals against Carson or the the game winner against SKC. He had the big game against, uh, I think, San Jose away where he had like a, I think it was, ended up being the hockey assist to Rossi and Vela. Um but, I mean, he still puts on good performances. So hopefully he can get back to health and get back into the lineup. And I think that also opens you up to 
actually being able to move one of those wingers, either Rossi or Rodriguez in the summer, like we all assume that they want to, um, and are probably grateful now that they didn't in this winter transfer window. Anything else on these guys, Josh? No, I mean, I think until we see what, what it looks like on the field, it's hard to really guess how they're going to go about things. Right. Um, you know, because again, so thus far, you know, obviously with Rossi being gone and then now Dio getting hurt, right. Adrian Perez has been your, your starting number nine. So we'll ultimately we'll kind of see how things play out and what they decide to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, one other player left the team in the past week. That was Josh Perez. Um, the announcement was that they, that he and the team had mutually agreed to part ways. There's rumors out there about personal issues. I don't really want to indulge those. Um, I'm fine to just leave it at there. They are mutually agreeing to part ways. Yeah, I do wish think him the that best of luck. Hopefully, he absolutely. Finds, you know, finds absolutely. finds what he ultimately wants, and everything goes well for him. Yeah. Um, it does seem to me like they. When you've mentioned this several times, Josh. They were trying to convert him into a midfielder after the success that they had with Blessing. And I have to imagine um, that had something to do with it, his inability to play in the midfield. I think it was against the Rapids last year where he had a kind of an infamously bad game when they, when he was started in the midfield. Uh, and it just never worked out with him as that, that inverted destroyer um, at the Latif Blessing spot. So best of luck to him, uh, and the team's got to move on. Um, there was a, a preseason match against Toronto today, Josh. The LAFC won three to one, so I believe that takes it, that brings them to three wins and one draw in the preseason. Any big takeaways here for you? I mean, the midfield looks pretty pretty nice, right? And I think you know a guy who's kind of featured unexpectedly has been you know that um, Bryce Duke, right? Right. The um, midfield that they signed the quote unquote first homegrown for LAFC um, out of the Barcelona Academy in uh, Phoenix, right around in your in your neck of the woods. Right. And so, right. Um, yeah, I mean, he, he he from a passing perspective, he definitely fits the part. Looks, you know, like seems to you know have the have that mindset to find and have ideas when he plays the game. You know, again, which completely fits into the way that the team goes about things you know obviously being a younger a young guy like i think he physically there's still you know he probably still needs to mature a little bit but you know i think he had a hockey assist i think in today um in today's game leading up to one of the goals um you know again he he's because i think with the system that he's coming from at at the academy then i think you've spent some time at that barcelona academy correct i have yeah yeah, and so I think there's it in terms of the style of play, it's going to mesh very well with what the team wants to do. And so again, I think he's been a bit of a revelation. Um, I guess both um Janela and uh Simfuentes got some time today. Um both guys made quite an impression and obviously they're gonna need to continue to um work themselves into I mean, they've both been playing heavily, so I don't think it's a matter of fitness as much as it is trying to figure out the system and the style and those different things. But um, from all accounts and from what we've heard, you know, I think Max and Vince did a, a post-game recap. And, you know, again, you can see the things starting to come off and the way that they... And you can kind of see the the 
you know, I think now we've all kind of been trained to try and have the the John Thorrington eye and, and the Bob Bradley eye mm-hmm. when it comes to evaluating players. And so you can start to see the, the things that those guys do well that make that fit within what we've now come to expect from our midfield. And so, um, yeah, I think it's, it's exciting to see what, what the team decides to do, given, you know, our, our, our three midfielders that were, you know, that made up, you know, if one of the, if not the best midfield in the league this past year, you know, are all coming back. Right. So you have a ton of talent and a ton of depth there, and then there's going to be different things to do and how, how they decide to use it will be really interesting. Yeah. I don't think there's much argument there when it comes to, to, to midfields um, and who was the best last year. You might get some stick from, other fan bases for, you know, overlooking their team. But I don't think it's really arguable at this point that Blessing, K and Atuesta made up the best midfield given the success that LAFC had and not only scoring goals because that's not typically the midfield responsibility, but also creating chances and, and defending. Um, so, I mean, just from a pure number standpoint, I don't think there's an argument. And also just watching the team and the way that they were able to um, continue to press higher and higher up the field and maintain possession in the uh, in the opposition half um, because of their ability to kill a counterattack with guys like Latif Blessing and Mark Anthony Kay who are able to chase down runners, much like you see at Liverpool. Um, I, I, I don't really think there's an argument. Interestingly enough, I do think there is possibly an open spot next week even if Latif Blessing has to co- go back and cover it right back you do have an open spot for one of these new guys to step into. And I think it wouldn't, I don't think it would surprise me to see it be Francisco Ginella with potentially Mark Anthony Kane and Edward Atuesta move forward. Um, given, given Janela's ability as that as a regista and his ability to play uh, balls through the opposition midfield and, and, to the feet of the forwards and the more advanced midfielders. I think he'd be a good fit there. Jose Cifuentes, I'm not sure if he's completely there yet in terms of being able to just step right in. But um, then again, it is Bob Bradley. So you can't ever discount anything with him. Yeah, I think the midfield today was Janela, Duke, and Blessing, right? Um, so again, I think a lot of it rides on what they decide to do with the back line, obviously, given... Mm-hmm. given um, that Walker has, you know, was just traded, but again, I think you're, you're left with quite a bit of options. And so, I mean, if you want to, if, you know, any listeners out there want to see a little bit more about how, you know, some of the things that Kirk's talking about in terms of how Ginello plays, make sure you go to the bank note. Um, There's a full up, full on write up on, on what, and video breakdown of, uh, of how, of Ginello's game and how he'll translate into playing at, uh, at LAFC. Yeah, I still I still owe the world a Jose Cifuentes uh, film review. I've started it. I haven't finished it, um, but I do think that he could potentially play that ten role, even though he's not the most polished uh, number ten out there. But his ability to attack the goal himself and just the amount of ground he covers when you watch his film. And his ability to make one-on-one tackles, I think he could play a similar role to what Latif Blessing has done, but also give you a little something more in the attack. His passing isn't the greatest, um, and his shooting, while he can shoot for power quite incredibly, 
uh, isn't necessarily all that accurate, but giving you that threat forward is, uh, is something to look out for. And I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised to see it be Jose C. Fuentes now that I think more about it. Um, but I guess we'll just have to wait to, to find out if Latif actually moves back to the back line or if he stays there in the midfield and we find another way to cover. Yeah, I mean, I think you have the option of playing probably a more traditional midfield three, right? And then letting, and then again, if Latif is playing on the right thing, you're really expecting him to get out, you know, to get out wide and get forward, um, even more so than when you know Blackman's in there. So if that's the case, and Latif is out on the right, out on the right, um, on that right back, then my expectation would be that you could probably play you know, a three-man midfield that included, you know, Ginella, Kay, and, you know, and, and Atuesta or Cifuentes, kind of one of the, you know, one of those two newer guys and and have, you know, almost play that, what is it, like the the famous Liverpool inverted midfield, right, where the right back mm-hmm. pushes up high and then the midfielder is actually who drops into that right back spot to play cover there. Um, and so, again, it's a little bit more of, more what you've come to see now in in the in in the in a league where the the midfield is not as much of a creative force as much as the the fullback. So again, it just depends. Again, Liverpool is probably you know a very unique example given the fullbacks that they have. But you know, and previously it was guys like um, like Marcelo that would do things along that same line. Like Marcelo pushes up super high, you know, almost as a left winger and an attacker sometimes coming in on the attack. But, you know, notice who drops into that space. It's either Casemiro or Tony Kroos or, you know, um, who ends up now playing that defensive cover and letting him do, do you know, get forward and do his thing. And so given, again, Latif has, has that experience playing on that right as both a defender and an attacker, and we've already seen him help create goals from that position, um, working with Carlos Vela on that right-hand side, you know, it wouldn't be a bad shout, again, and then having more defensively minded midfielders now being able to now kind of clean things up behind, um, mm-hmm. you know, again, would be another option that the team can go. with. Right. So, yeah, again, I think we're not, we're, fortunately we're not devoid of any opportunities at this point. No, I mean, aside from really right back and I guess a starting caliber number nine, um, the team is actually quite deep everywhere else. Um, any other takeaways from today's match or? No, I mean, I think ultimately, you know, there's still so many moving parts. And so it was, it was again, nice to see them get another win. Things that are looking pretty good in terms of how things are flowing. It's just now a matter of how do they reincorporate guys like Rosie and then Kay, who I think was coming off of a, you know, a little bit of an injury, um, throughout the beginning of the preseason. But again, yeah. reports are he's back in training and has been full training. I know he didn't play today, but the the latest report was that he was in full training with the team. So again, mm-hmm. how do they slot some of these guys in? And then again, are they going to be ready to play, you know, in, in again, a week's time at, at Peñarol? So yeah, again, things are starting quick. And so a lot of things definitely have to fall into place before I think, you know, some of these dominoes begin to fall. So one thing I did want to bring up real quick about today's match is that we are really starting to see the first fruits of the LAFC Academy. And today you saw Christian Torres get a goal, which for a 15-year-old kid has got to be one of the greatest experiences. 
to have Carlos Vela, the league's MVP, uh, dummy a ball essentially for you, and you just slot it right home coolly. Uh, and I believe that goal was right in front of the thirty-two fifty-two as well. Um, it just, I mean, what an incredible moment. And to be honest with you, I can't. So I, I have practice tomorrow with my team, and I can't wait to show them this video and to challenge them because. You know, this the team that I'm practicing with tomorrow, they're nine, but uh, that's only six years away for them. So what the LAFC Academy is able to has been able to do so far and the fact that pretty soon we're going to start seeing these kids pop up um, potentially in U.S. Open Cup matches or, you know, just continued in, in preseason matches. But to me, it's just really exciting to see some of these kids start to start to come through and do it on the field. Yeah, I mean it's again it's it's historic again. It's the first academy player to ever score a goal at the bank. And so, mm-hmm. you know, again it's it's really awesome, you know, it's it's rare that you have these opportunities to be to see and to be a part of some of these things and you know, again it's 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 nothing short of, you know, a, you know, you know, again, just an, an awesome opportunity to be able to witness some of these different things that, you know, for a team that we've all kind of grown to love at this point. So again, you know, hats off to them. You know, we hope to continue to see them. We hope that it's only going to continue and to, you know, again, while, you know, it's the first Academy player goal in the preseason, you know, we're hoping for, you know, sooner than later, you start to see that, that first goal come from in the regular season and then become a part of the regular you know, team and so on and so forth. And so again, it falls in line with, with the ethos and the philosophy of the team and, you know, in terms of development and some of these different things. And so again, it's awesome to see now it coming from within the structure, um, you know, as, as the club matures. Right. Right. So I think the last thing that I have here, Josh, is um, not exactly tactical or, I mean, it's not tactical at all, really. Um, it is the jersey release from last week. We haven't yet talked about it on the show. What are your thoughts, given the fact that you've had a week to live with this new kit? I mean, it looks... Now that you get to see it more, see it on other people, those different things, I still haven't had a chance to go and pick one up yet. Um, it's def- I definitely like it more and more. The It's hard to go wrong. Obviously, it's... Given the colors that we have, it's really hard to mess that up, right? right. Um, it's just clean. It's classic. Uh, it it looks, you know, and again, in the way when you see it on on a body, as opposed to the renderings and the drawings that we that were floating around the internet for so long, um, you know, like I said, I definitely, you know, really, really like it now. So, again, hoping to get mine sooner than later. Um, you know, so the, some of the costs have been a little bit crazy from what I've seen. So may wait a little bit until maybe a coupon code pops up somewhere before I get it on the internet or something, but you know, still right. hope, you know, definitely going to try and pick one up sooner than later. So for me, um, the over the shoulder stripes do not work. Um, I, I don't, I mean, I know that uh, MLS keeps trying to say that it's an iconic look, um, and I know that at one point there was a men's national team Jersey with the over the shoulder stripes back in the nineties. To me, I don't get it. To me, iconic is like Chuck Taylor's or like blue jeans and a, and a white t-shirt that's iconic. Um, 
Uh, it's it's something that's just an absolute staple. So given the fact that we haven't seen these stripes since the Arsenal the banana 1990s, kit, right, right, that's an where it, kit. you know it's just uh, um, so I don't I don't get that. It doesn't work for me. I think it looks funny, especially with the high contrast uh, uniforms. I think the only one that's high contrast that works for me is the DC United kit, and it's because it calls back to their original one. Um, but what I will say is I feel like LAFC dodged a bullet by going with the black on black. Um, yeah, it doesn't take away so from the jersey at all. Mm-hmm. And I think obviously that's what you, what you want. You know, obviously it's it's weird because of the weird MLS rules in terms of how often you get a new kit. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you, you're everyone who had a home, you know, a home kit or the primary kit get released um, this year you know, stuck with the shoulder stripes for two years, which is, again, not my favorite thing in the whole world, but, you know, maybe they'll let them take them off if, if possible. Um, again, but you're right. The the matte, the matte black you know, it does allow, um, you know, does it allow so it doesn't distract from what, you know, is a great kit by, by you know. By, right, right. By it just other. makes it, you know, a plain black kit with a couple of, with basically uh, piping on it and, um, and gold lettering. So, I mean, I think the end result actually looks pretty good, uh, which is more than I can say for a lot of the other teams in the league. Uh, and if you'd like to know more of our feelings, you can go to the bank note and check out our, uh, our staff rankings for those. Um, were there any other kits that you really liked from this release? So DC United with red shorts is pretty, it's pretty cool. Oh, are they um, wearing red shorts? Yeah, I just saw something today that it's like the, initially I don't think they were going to, but I think that the internet has shamed them into into wearing the red <laughs> shorts a little bit because and and with the red shorts and the way that their kit was, it's 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 just classic. It looks cool, it's clean. Um, but besides that, the New York Red Bull one has really grown on me. Like the mm. all in thing where everything is that that dark black and that kind of really intense red all over the all right. over really looks cool. Um, Unfortunately, I don't think they've really gone all in on their roster this year, but mm-hmm. you know, at least from a kit perspective, they they did something good. Um, yeah. And then, can um, supporting KC, I feel like someone I was reading. I think it was one of the 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 athletic. I think it was from the athletic. They did a review, a jersey review. You know, something similar to what we did, um, but. They they said that all of Sporting Casey's kits looked like their their primary designer was out of a Brooks Brothers catalog, which makes total <laughs> sense because again they they just have classy looking kits almost all the time, mm-hmm. right? Whether they had that black and silver one, a couple, you know, for their alternate a couple years back or maybe it was last year, um, yeah. And then their polka dot this year is just again it's clean, looks cool, you know. Those are I think those one and then the Vancouver one is and I think and then the one that we really liked. Yeah. Yeah. The only other one I want to I want to give a shout out to, and it's not a popular pick to be honest, and so I people can roll their eyes or hate me for this, but I actually do like the Portland Timbers jersey um, because I think they got it right with the stripes and then the collar. I think it just comes off looking like a classic rugby shirt. Yeah, and I don't think that's what they were going for. But for me, when I look at it. It's just a it's a shirt that makes sense basically. Like I, yeah. I feel like I've seen something before, right? Yeah. I, speaking of yeah. iconic looks, like a rugby shirt is one. So 
Like I would have liked that more if they just n- didn't have to do the three shoulder thing. Yeah, yeah. Like that that kit without the shoulder stripe thing is awesome. Um, with it, it just right. it, it's like the diagonal shoulder plus the the horizontal hoop. That's what threw me off a little bit, and why I didn't rate it as much as some people did. But I think without it, um, again, it's the wood grain hoop thing is really cool. Mm-hmm. And I think that I think they're wearing green shorts. I do like the contrasting short look. Um, I get it in the case of LAFC where it's just everything is jet black, but basically. Um, but I, I definitely don't mind when teams go with another color short, as long as they're not doing the weird uh, gradient thing that you're starting to see more in in Europe. That's yeah, that, what, that's a that's a look I don't I don't get either. Yeah, the, it's you know, fortunately, I think. Nike is kind of this past year from well, all, everything that I've heard has gone away from the ultra templated mm. looks. So that's why you saw some of the really cool kits for the, um, for the Olympics. Korea has yeah. an awesome yeah. tiger kit. Um, and then I think it, who's the other one in Nigeria has another really awesome kit again. <clears throat> but uh, yeah. So I think fortunately that you'll start to see some of those things go away in World soccer, hopefully MLS will follow suit or, you know, but I think the one thing cool someone did mention is that it does look like the new LFC kit doesn't have like this reminiscent Darth Vader look. So if we're going to lean all into it, you know, it's like, come join the dark yeah. side. <laughs> I'm down. I'm down. All right, Josh, anything else before we get out of here for tonight? Are you good? No, I think like I said there's quite a bit and, you know, obviously we'll be back probably ahead if not ahead, then we'll definitely be. If not ahead of the the CCL game, we'll definitely be back with our instant match reaction for that one. Um, you know, because neither of us are going are going to be in Mexico for that game, so we'll get. You know, you see, you'll, you'll probably he'll be. You'll definitely be hearing from us more often than it has been in the last couple of weeks, uh, with how crazy things have been. So, um, yeah, looking forward to it. Absolutely. Um, well, you can now find us both writing for the banknote. Uh, you can follow that handle. You can follow us both on Twitter. Um, oh, one other thing that I wanted to talk about too, just briefly. Uh, shout out to Laura Mills for our new um, our new logo, which I think looks great. It looks a lot better than the one that I got off of Fiverr last year when we decided to ragtag this pod this podcast together. Um, so thank you to Laura for making us look more professional and more presentable. Um, Josh, where else can we find you? LAFC Josh on Twitter. And then like I said, over at the bank note. All right. So thank you for listening tonight. And like Josh said, we will be coming at you with more, uh, with more episodes now that the season is underway. Have a good one. Bye. (laughs) 